It is midday. You were tuned into For the Record here on FBI Radio 94.5. And man, oh man, is it a special episode this week because we are joined by the amazing, the uh, the eloquent, the beautiful Julia Jacqueline. Very accomplished songwriter. Oh, thank you. <laughs> one of our favourites, one of FBI's favourites, because she just won the FBI Smack Award for Album of the Year. You also won the next big thing for your first record. Yeah. It feels kind of fitting that, that you know, you've carried over the mantle onto the album of the year. That is nice, isn't it? Yeah. Thanks. I like I like the order of that. Feels good. Um so yeah, congratulations. Thank you. Now of course we are talking about the brilliant record Crushing. My favorite part is the title. Cool. You've managed to take something so like sweet and endearing as a crush and figuratively crush it into something <laughs> totally different. I think we both like how it kind of works for both sides yeah. of the coin. And of yeah. The... It took me a while to, like, find the title because just none of the song titles made sense for me, like my first record. Um, and, yeah, a lot of, like, label people were like, you got to call it body. I'm like, hell no. <laughs> was it a big, big eye roll moment? You're like, oh, okay. Yeah, I was like, yeah, cool, okay. You listen to the record. <laughs> I'm saying body a lot. And you're like, cool, a body. But I had that, I had crushing or crush in my head every time I kind of thought about it. So that ended up being the title. Yeah, no, the title took a long time. But it's so hard because some people have the complete opposite idea. I was going to say, if you can just write something like in a snap, <sighs> screw yeah, but people love that narrative. Like, people love that idea of artists who just wrote, like, a classic hit in five minutes, if that, you know? Yeah. I don't know why we think that's so impressive. I think people, like, you know, to talk about my favourite song, songwriter, Lenny Cohen, it took him, like, five years to write Hallelujah. And aren't we glad that he took that long? Mm. Yeah. I think it can sure. almost be, like, really satisfying the other way around where you have that eureka moment and you're like, ah. Yeah, it took me a year to finish this song, but, like, I'm really glad it turned out the way yeah. it did and I didn't rush this thing. I think sometimes, like, an idea can come really quickly, but, like, the first track, Body, that probably took me a year and a half to finish. Right. And mm. that doesn't mean I'm sitting there for, like, a year and a half being like, oh, no, <laughs> how do I finish this song? It's just, like, I chipped away at it mm. over time. 
Um, but the initial concept came pretty quickly. I think it's made pretty clear from the get-go on Crushing that it's going to be a very different experience from that of your debut. Was that, um, was that pre-planned? Was that something you really wanted? No. I think, I mean, for me, and I'm sure like most writers, your first album is just like a test. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's just like a scrapbook of everything you'd written up until that point in your life that didn't suck too much. Um, so I never, I don't know, I think with Crushing it wasn't, I wasn't like I'm going to hit him hard. <laughs> it was just I think I had a better sense of what I like and what I want to do and who I am. And, yeah, just like so much more confidence in my my own tastes as a songwriter than I did on my first record. Did you find any of um, your, because you've also been in a band called Fantastic Furniture and part of the story of that band was that each of you within it were able to test like a different piece of yourself as musicians. Mm. Do you feel like part of that persona of Julia from Fanfern carried across in this record a bit? Yeah, I think Fanfern taught me so much about this line of work because I think my first album and my my first whole foray into music was so serious. Like I, I don't know, I just took myself so seriously and not in like an egotistical way, just in a way that I felt like, I don't know, I felt like if I messed up at a show, I would be done for. Right. You know, and I felt like if I, you know, played a small show at like Brighton Art Bar, first of four, and I made, I played the wrong chord in the third song that everybody would hate me. <laughs> you know, like you, ta- you think that it's so heavy and intense and serious and it's just not, like we just literally playing songs yeah (laughs) you know and of course it's good to take it seriously but not to take yourself too seriously Mm. I guess and obviously that's kind of sounds probably stupid when you're hearing crushing because it's a very serious record but I think that fan fern made me realize that I don't know like at the end of the day I don't know you kind of just have to do what you want to do and people are going to respond well to that like when I first started playing music like people didn't really people didn't come to my shows and were like that was great because I, I wasn't having fun mm. and and I wasn't relaxed and I was they you can sense that and then with Fan Firm was the first band I ever played in where I could actually see an audience enjoying themselves and that was such a foreign feeling. Usually you just look out and people are just like being polite or just kind of tolerating whatever you're doing while they wait for like the main act or whatever. And Fan Firm was like oh, if I just, like, don't take myself that seriously and trust my own instincts, then people are going to respond to that. Mm-hmm. So right. I think I brought that into, yeah. Gave me, just gave me so much more confidence in music. I definitely feel like that carries through yeah. over to the record. Because I was going to say, while, like, obviously it is a very serious, honest record, you do feel a lot looser and, mm. and like, more able to kind of play with things. Not that you didn't on your first, but it just seems yeah. like you're, like, in that kind of mind state where it's, like, let's just, like, kind of flow. Yeah, yeah. Do you feel, um, because obviously off the back of your first record, you were running all over the world, touring, playing all these shows, kind of running yourself rampant a little bit. Did you feel exhausted after that? And also, like, was it intense having the, the, like, thought of album two kind of looming over you and having to deal with that at the same time? Yeah, but I think that came pretty quickly. I think, like, I made my first record and then it took a year and a half to put it out. And so by the time it came out, and then I toured it for two years. 
like the first year of touring, I was like, oh, like it was just very hard. I right. didn't know how to tour, so that was one thing. But also, I wasn't really writing any new music because I was just kind of pretty paralyzed by the whole thing. And I was touring all the time, so I had no time myself. And and then I just started to be like, well, that's probably it then for me, <laughs> like that first record. That's all I've got, and I'm going to have to let everyone know. <laughs> and it's a bit awkward because I've signed like two album record deals. Um but then, I don't know, once I just, like, got used to touring and and then, like, came home and moved in with my friends into, like, Annandale and was, like, hanging out and just back in Sydney and, yeah, I just re- I started writing again because I was like, oh, yeah, I, that's just what I do to process my life. Mm. Um, and it's got actually got nothing to do with the success. That's just kind of how it ends up getting consumed eventually but it's not why I do it right so but it just took me yeah quite a long time and yeah it is it is scary we're gonna take a take a moment to dive a little bit more into crushing the record this next one right here on FBI is called head alone Put it back by the table 
Don't Know How to Keep Loving You is the name of that one right there. Up the top, you heard Head Alone and then Pressure to Party, the absolute smash of Julia Jacqueline's second record, Crushing. We're lucky enough to have her here in the studio with us. Now, Julia, it feels like in Crushing, obviously, um, touring and being in so many different places, uh, being in confined places, literally, and being suffocated with relationships is generally the running theme. Mm. How did writing this record make you feel like you came out of that? Or do you still feel like you've actually come out of that? Um, yeah, I think I now uh, feel a lot more confident in advocating for my own space in all areas of my life. And especially on tour, like, it was just a few years of just kind of accepting the way things were because... I didn't know any different mm. and I think that's kind of a big problem with touring is that everyone kind of gets thrown into it without much support or understanding of how it's supposed to work and so it's very easy to just do it in the way that you're told you're supposed to do it and even and as you're like suffering um, just kind of also be forced to be like yeah it's, everything's great because you know it's such a cool job it is it's like I, I love it and I now love it a lot but it took me a long time to figure out how to make it work in a way where I don't lose my mind well yeah I imagine um, it would be like an intense groundhog day you have to give running on like such low energy yeah you're tired you have to all of a sudden give like 10 million pieces of yourself to yeah 10 times 10 million people kind of. <laughs> yeah and it kind of and it's throughout the whole day because you're always with people and um you know if you're fronting a project it's like everything that happens reflects on you so it's just a lot of people managing which is like not part of what you expect when you suddenly start to be a touring musician to suddenly be like the boss of a 24 7 small business mm. <laughs> basically that's what you're doing um so yeah I think the record I finished it when I came back to Sydney and I was very confused by... I was just like whiplash, like I came back to a city that I loved but didn't recognise in a weird way because I'd been gone for so long and feeling disconnected from the local scene and trying to find my feet again. Um, so it definitely helped me and it's pretty cool because I just really... I know it's not a fashionable thing to say but I like really love this album <laughs> and I love playing it and I love... I just, yeah, I'm so happy I made it and I don't have, I really, I feel like I learn a lot from it because I think I wrote it more aspirationally in a weird way. Like right. I was kind of hoping that I would feel that confident. I was hoping that I would feel the way that I felt in the songs and it kind of has all come to come true, I guess, because I wrote the songs or something. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Do you feel like, and I like with writing these songs, and I guess by extension playing the songs, is it is it somewhat of like a therapeutic experience for you to kind of get that all out there in the open? Yeah, it is, and it's like so. It's pretty gr like sometimes I think this is the most narcissistic job on the planet. Like I played this little show in Melbourne the other day, um, just trying out new songs, and I felt so bad after it because. Sometimes I question, like, 
how I don't know this it's such a weird thing to feel feelings and then turn them into melodies and then sing them to people mm. that you know that could potentially be kind of emotionally manipulated by what you're saying like especially if you're singing about relationships which is what I do mm. I think it I sometimes wonder if it's a cruel thing to do even if it um, makes me feel better. Why do you think it's cruel? <laughs> because it's like you go into a relationship with someone, whether or not that's friendship, romantic, family, and you kind of expect that certain situations within that relationship are semi-sacred <laughs> to that union. And then, But if you're in a, any kind of relationship with a songwriter, like it's kind of everything's up for grabs Fair game, yeah. you know and I and I think that in some ways I think that romantic relationships to me are fair game but other relationships like friendships and family relationships I tread a lot caref- more carefully because I feel like people don't come into a relation a friendship with me or, or my family member expecting that they're going to have their experiences just aired out for everyone. Right. So I don't know. It's a bit of a it's a bit of a weird one. But I do find it therapeutic, and I also I think sometimes I have these moments on stage, and I had it a lot on this last the last year of touring this album, where I was like, my life is crazy, in that I am able to go through something painful, create music from it. And then just like, you know, perform it in front of people constantly and work out all of those feelings in like a very intensely satisfying way. Like, Mm. I don't know if you guys sing, (laughs) but like singing is so, I mean, I don't know what else you can do. I mean, maybe like if you're really into like running, I'm sure there are other things. But for me, like singing, just singing out loud is just like such an incredible way to get things out you know and I know we all must find our different ways to do that but I just feel very lucky that I can kind of work through my life in such a satisfying way and I think when I'm performing sometimes I'm like that's really amazing because I'm sure a lot of people at my shows don't have that so I feel very lucky about that so I always go between like feeling super gross about what I do (laughs) and then like super grateful which I guess a good way to validate stuff that's happened to you even yeah. like saying something out loud. And it's funny because like so many people on, on the on the road with this record would be like, oh, it must be so hard to do like to put these feelings out there and like, <laughs> oh, gosh, it, it's just it's so brave, blah, 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 blah. And oh, it must be. And I'm like, well, not really because I don't know. It's like sometimes I think that people, I mean, I like paid a lot of money spent a lot of time to record these songs and then I ha- I'm completely in control of what I choose to put out there mm. and it's not like you just have these feelings and then you're just like oh no they're on the internet how embarrassing it's too much it's like no <laughs> I don't I I don't feel self-conscious about because right. if I did I wouldn't put them on a record and sell them you know <laughs> like it's a very conscious decision I'm making so I guess it's pretty easy to say that's probably tied in with gender and 
some kind of sense of sexism that like oh, she's still seeing it she must feel like really feel it inside i hope she's okay like what's going on yeah yeah i've had people message me they're like i saw you crying while you were playing the song i was like <laughs> i was not crying <laughs> you were projecting um yeah i don't know it's just like i hear that all the time like people like oh gosh it must be so like i always like push back when people say like is this like a diary like this is your diary out there in the world i'm like i'm a like a songwriter like i craft Mm. things like i'm not this is not just ramblings into my phone like this is like and it's not all like not every single line that i sing is entirely like literal literal Mm. you know and i think like with with body i mean i don't talk about whether or not that situation happened because it just annoys me that people always want to know or like just assume that i didn't in, in either way, like that, a lot of the time, the yeah, like you're 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 doing a job, like you're crafting a piece of work. It's not just emotional ramblings that I have to relive every day or something. Yeah, I guess I never really understood why that was. Like people are kind of quick, like like Jeff Tweedy from Wilco could do the same thing, but people probably wouldn't really quiz him as much on why he's, you know, singing a mass love song about someone. But I feel like. You know, a lot of the time when female artists do it, they do get quizzed and then they're like, oh, is well, this really hard of, for you? Or Yeah, or it seems it's like assumed that we don't have the ability to um, like create good work. Like it must just be just kind of, mm. uh, I don't know, it must just be this spontaneous thing that came from us with no um, craft or <laughs> yeah. no work or no like skill and talent and like hard work or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to me, uh, across like crushing, it's just really refreshing that you felt compelled enough to think that other people wanted to hear something so vulnerable. Does it feel very cathartic to have been able to have done that and have it all pay off? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. What's been really great is I've seen like a shift in the crowds at the shows for this new album. Just a lot more like younger women coming to shows which is kind of the crowd that I was trying to reach and I didn't necessarily know if I'd reached on my first album and just yeah or not even that it's just like people seem a lot more connected to the material because I wasn't kind of hiding things with metaphors yeah I think when I first started making music I thought the harder it was to understand the better it was and so when I kind of came into this album, I, th- I there was a big part of me that was like, oh, the lyrics are not tricky enough because people can understand what I'm saying and that's not good. That's not good work. Yeah, and then it's kind of been nice to see that actually that's kind of a real pretentious thing that's pushed on artists, I think, and all the time if something's accessible. Just because something's accessible doesn't mean it's not like arty enough yes you know we're going to take a moment to go into a bit more of the record this one right here on fbi when the family flies in Drinking so 
Hey. 
Hearing the ends of Good Guy, Up the Top, When the Family Flies In, and then Convention, all from Julia Jacqueline's record, Crushing, which we're talking about this week on For the Record. I think one of my favourite things about Crushing is how free-flowing it is, and it it's almost like this this album, maybe a little bit more than your previous one, is like all the songs kind of move at their own pace, nothing feels rushed. It's kind of like, this is what's happening, go with it. Does, mm. is, was that like by design or is it just something that ended up happening when you were writing? Uh, no, that was kind of by design, but also just from feeling more confident in that people were going to listen to what I had to say. I think at the beginning it's so, I, you know, if any song went over three and a half minutes, it would be like, cut it down. Like they're not going to be listening beyond that. And then you, and therefore you're making music for other people. Like that's where that comes from. It's like, or, you know, I'd just be always thinking, like, no, it needs to be a punchier chorus or it needs to be this because, you know, you in the creation process you're like, how do I keep people interested in me mm. singing? And I think the second, making these record, this the second record I was just like, I just have to kind of trust that the ones that do want to listen will just stick around, you know. And, and also just like, I love long songs and I love mm. slow songs. Like they're my favourite kind of songs. And so if that's what I was listening to, why did I assume that like I couldn't do that, you mm. know? Yeah, I, it was just it's all just from like, yeah, not like hating myself really and being like I'm worth something, like I'm worth sticking around for five minutes for, I think. While you were recording this record you mentioned that you didn't want there to be any major big like lofty studio techniques or editing or production or, or studio trickery was what you'd said and there is a very big sense of you've like almost not in a, a rough kind of way but you're like kind of lightly tugging someone by their collar and like pulling them in a lot closer to you in this album why did you want this closeness i think that's a big part of like me 
realizing that you don't have to be perfect or like imperfection you know this is the lamest thing I've ever said in my life but like the imperfections like make things better because like as I was saying before with like what I learned through Fanfern was that I don't know we were all so we were like oh we all suck at like these different roles we're taking on in this band but then it connected so much better to people than what I'd always done in the past which was like practice relentlessly in my room to make sure I and, and I would sing everything without feeling. I would just have, I would be trying to just make sure I hit every note properly. And the recordings I did in the past were like, you know, we'd do everything to a click and we'd, and I'd redo the vocal takes a thousand times and I'd like cut all the vocal takes up to make sure every single line was sung perfectly. And I'd listen back and I'd be like, well, that sounds like a good piece of music, but it doesn't make me feel anything and therefore it didn't make anybody else feel anything. So I kind of, that was a big reason, like just, just trusting that the feelings are what's more important and the words are more important than the production. And also a huge part though is like the importance of working for me was working within my own abilities because, and I think sometimes if I'm feeling self-conscious about my abilities, I would, that's the moment I'm like, oh, maybe we should get this person in, maybe we should get that person in and maybe we could like, get someone who knows stuff about synthesizers and we can add those and we can do all this stuff to just try and bury myself. And so I was actually feeling really, I was feeling good about these songs and I didn't want to just like bury them mm. because I was feeling like self-conscious or whatever. Um, and I don't know. I was also just listening to a lot of like Neil Young, Bill Callahan and just was like, this is what I love. This is what I enjoy listening to. So why would I make a record that is like, smothered if that's not a what I can do live and b what I even like but I can feel that I but I'm having to fight that now like coming into the third record being like and the third record must be huge you know (laughs) it's like you've got to you gotta always like remember that to try and do stuff that you actually like you know not trying to like please the music industry gods whoever they may be did you want crushing and don't let the kids win to be two different worlds because it would be a bit like basic to say that crushing is the companion piece to don't let the kids win but they are quite different Mm. well they were created at such different times in my life and yeah and also I I can't ever imagine like making more than one record in the same environment. Like the first record was in New Zealand and it was like beautiful and sunny and we were working during the day and it felt pretty healthy. You know, I was like walking a lot of all the time and eating well. <laughs> and then the second record was like we made it late at night. You know, most of it was done between like 5 p.m. and 4 a.m. Right. And it was in like this studio that is up in Mangrove Mountain. Like, it's cool. It's just, like, a bit... feels, like, kind of slick. Right, okay. A bit slick. Like, I, I felt like I should have been making, like, a... I don't know, like a classic rock album back mm. in the 80s there. It didn't feel right for what my music is, but in some ways that kind of helped. It was just, like, really dark, and the band was diff- a little bit different. We were just kind of drinking a bit, playing cards. I don't know. It felt different, and I... Yeah, I think for the next record I'm going to do it somewhere completely different again. Right. 
because that just feels so the environments I've made those records in feel really important. We've got a little bit more of the record to play before we wrap up today's show with Julia Jacqueline joining me, Maya Billick, and Dan Gordon on For The Record. Don't go anywhere. If there are any thoughts you want to share on crushing, feel free to text in on 0409 945 945. We want to hear your thoughts on this next one. You were right.
So please just Turn me down right there, and then you were right before that one. Are you excited to start all over again with the third record? Um, excited? Not really. I'm kind of, but I am just looking forward to. This might sound like bad, but it's good. I'm so, like I have no confidence in myself as a songwriter right now, which is scary but necessary. Right. Um, you got to stay humble. Yeah, and it's just like I feel like the worst songwriter on the planet. <laughs> Do you feel like and you need to relearn how to write songs after yeah, every album? Yeah, it's like you need to just – I think you just need to – Which and it's good because the the nature of this job is very unnatural to the human spirit, I think. Like right. 
I shouldn't, you should not be able to get on stage on, on like a literal platform every single night for like nine months on end and have people screaming at you in yeah. praise. Like that's not cool. <laughs> it, like it, it must do, it does weird things to your head. And so I think I'm glad I'm at the point where I, I feel really down about myself because if it was the other way, if I finished that album cycle, I was just like, I rock. <laughs> I don't think I would be a good human being or a good artist. So, yeah, and I don't mean that in like a super depressing, like I hate myself way. I just mean that I I feel like I need to start from scratch. I need to like, I need to start listening to music again. I need to be a student mm. again. I um, kind of, I, yeah. I, I think that's nice actually. Yeah. It's like yeah. refreshing to hear something like that because I feel like that's a thing that doesn't really get talked about a lot yeah. about artists that that. Like, obviously people talk about the pressure, but they don't necessarily talk about, like, the struggles of, like, having to start writing songs again after playing, like, a year's worth of shows and not really yeah. knowing exactly what to do. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm just excited to, like, learn again. Now, Julia, you are going to be performing these songs live uh, very, very soon on the 5th of March at the Enmore Theatre. Yeah. Is it going to be a totally different kind of show to the last set of tours, or um, we've got some we've got some special things happening? Cool. You don't have to spoil. Yeah, any yeah I don't surprises. want to spoil, but the end of the show is going to be a pretty beautiful Sydney moment, I think. Oh. Um, but yeah, it's that show is just. I'm so excited for that show. I mean, and terrified. I feel like the end more to me is like the ultimate. Yeah, it's know? a big deal. I think. Like, yeah, I think it's a Sydney musician who like yeah definitely you know went to Newtown High School and like I don't know like or grew up in the Blue Mountains and like caught the train every day to Newtown mm. to go to school and then lived in Sydney for a long time and went to so like I've been to like I've seen like Nick Cave there and I saw Gillian Welch there and like some of my favorite concerts there and and I've never even I've never opened for anyone or anything there, so I've never. Oh, been, so this is the first time. Yeah, I've like never wow. stepped on the stage or. That's How crazy. How nice is that though? It's going to be yeah. a great show. Yeah, it's so special, and like my whole family will be there, and all my friends, and yeah, so it'll be like horrible <laughs> in some ways because right. I'll just be so <laughs> like full of feelings and nerves. But um, yeah, that's just that's I think. Weirdly, out of all of the crazy things like that we're talking about, the fact that I'm playing in the Inmore Theatre is like the craziest. Yeah, thing. it must be so <laughs> surreal. Yeah, that and that's one that I think I can really feel and 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 yeah, it doesn't. I don't know. That feels really heavy and beautiful to me. Go and catch the show. Haven't bought a ticket. Buy a ticket. The three ticket tech. Can't imagine they will be around for much longer. So snap yeah. it up while you still can, and we'll see you at the show. I think we're going to end it on that really wholesome note. <laughs> that was awesome. Thank you I so much. I can't believe guys. you haven't played the Emma at all. Like that's so mind blowing to me. Yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah, it's great. I'm. It's yeah. What the hell? I can't believe I'm playing it. My own show. What? Yeah. Thanks, guys. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh yeah. 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 It's been, been such a pleasure. Yeah. That's so nice. We're going to finish things off with the last track on the record. This is called Comfort. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you want to get in touch for the record at fbiradio.com is the spot to do so. Or you can hit us up on Instagram for the record. FM is the handle. You can listen back at fbiradio.com. Just click on the programs tab. And then for the record, 
Or if you're into podcasting, you can grab For The Record wherever you get your little pods from. We'll catch you next week. See ya. Sleep through